Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. From the kennel to the coop, whatever the season. Today it's Tuesday. That means Tom Ostrom's with us. Good morning, Tom. <laughs> Excuse me. Good morning, Andrew. Don't get me excited. Oh gosh, you're still you're still dealing with the crud. I see. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not alone, Tom. You certainly are not alone. Influenza, influenza. But I had the shot, so I don't understand that. Well, it means you just don't get as bad of a case of it as somebody else would have. <laughs> you always find the positive, don't you, Andrew? Okay. You know, a lot of folks, uh, yeah, getting very, very ill this time of the year. It's amazing how many respiratory things are going on outside of COVID. Yeah. It's actually taking the headlines away from all the COVID business. But hmm. All right. What is in the mailbag? From Arnie. This is for computer geeks and wizards. Why did the computer go to the dentist? Because it had a Bluetooth. Oh, gosh. Gosh. That would be called a dad joke. Yeah, Arnie. (laughs) And uh, this from the uh, creator syndicate. Goodberry uh, Zaz is the person's name uh, it shows the apple leader Tim Cook and he's standing on a huge apple and he says at Apple we have a firm grip on human rights and holding on to the apple with a bite on it is the China leader and it says and in China we have a firm grip on Apple oh. and we'll, we'll talk about that um Okay, but it's but Apple again uh, getting in the way of the demonstrators and following China's bidding. And then there's another political cartoonist named Ramirez, and he's very good. And the power line uh, uh, Scott Johnson sent this along, and uh, it shows China, the men and women protesting. And then it shows Biden's response, you know, which is the white halo that they write words in, but it's blank. There's no response from Biden on the China oppression. And then, uh, and I saw another cartoon, uh, why not? Um, Let's see here. Oh, I forgot to hear. Uh, uh, Branco deals with the same topic. And a reporter says to Joe, why haven't you spoken up for the people in China protesting against tyranny? And Joe has a non-answer. And behind his back is a bag, China money, China money, Uh, he and his son. Uh, In that sense, now, let's see, we have another mailbag. Busy day with a mailbag. Yeah, yeah. And I have to, I had so many, I got to save some for uh, next time. Some good ones. Can't cover them all, but we will select. Uh, this from KLS. I told her I was trumped out, that I admire what he did as president, but given the problems and continuations of issues uh, and what he's done and said lately, I, I, I just think he's uh, going to lose Republican votes this time around. And I said to KLS, I, I'm trumped out. Uh, I said that to another mailbag contributor, too, and she's coming after me, and we'll 
quote her interpretations next time. So okay. We don't have time now. But from KLS, trumped out, good way to say it. Count me among those that are trumped out. Did the unrelenting barrage from MSM and all his other enemies finally break him? Or has he been a tantrum-throwing two-year-old forever? Uh, like Trump lately had a dinner with some very controversial people, uh, not helping his image at all. And no. Then he no, it's crazy. I mean, why would you do that? I, I, yeah. it's, it's self-destructive is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And then Trump has called for the termination of the Constitution so he can be reinstalled as president. And uh, and I shared that with KLS and with another good friend contributor. And KLS agrees, but the other one, Rose, doesn't. And we'll quote her analysis. Okay. Time. But anyway, uh, KLS says, this is a Shakespearean tragedy. He was a good president. His policies improved the nation. But he's been destroyed by the enemies who despise him, by ignorant citizens who don't appreciate the policies. But I'm trumped out. Tom, why the hatred of him now that the abhorrors have won? He is merely pathetic. But why the hatred? And I'll just be brief. The Dems hate him. The leftists hate him. The deep staters hate him. And even Senator McConnell and the globalists hate him. Why? He was not in their political club, in my view, Andrew. They're afraid of him because he fights them. He threatens their power and authority. And he was a good president, but uh, issues uh, since then are piling up. But that's the mailbag. And uh, also, as we point out, he was a good president for half the country. The other half despised him. They yeah. showed up in the polls. I mean, it was a lightning rod for controversy, a lightning rod for divisiveness. And I'm not suggesting that other politicians are not equally divisive, but uh, he, uh, through his own statements and his own actions, made himself even, I don't know, I think he kind of takes joy in it, and strangely enough. It's like um, he knows he's going to be criticized, so he goes to the outrageous end of the spectrum uh, and invites the criticism. And I think what he's missing in that is that there are a bunch of people out there who would be willing to look the other way if he maybe perhaps tried a little bit to have some more decorum, but instead it's no, I'm just going full in for the yeah outrageousness. Right. right. But he's a fighter. Those are the traits of a fighter. Um, and Democrats stick together, but Republicans go after their own. Uh, McConnell does others do. And, and the Republicans are not united, and so that would hurt Trump, I think, if he ran but, again. But, okay, uh, but I'll, I'll go back to President Reagan. And you could argue he was a fighter. I mean, you could uh, not a street brawler like Trump. I guess that would be the way I would describe Trump. But sometimes even more effective. Yeah. He was hated by the left, I think, well, maybe not to the same degree as Trump, but... He was certainly hated by the left. His presidency was greeted with, it is the end of the world uh, right. by those on the, the left side of the aisle. But I always go back to, uh, I can't remember exactly who he was debating at the time. And his answer to whatever they were saying was, oh, there they go again. Yeah. Right. And, it, and without being insulting, he right. was insulting. Well, Reagan had the actor's uh, skill and demeanor and a wonderful personality. Obama had the great personality, too, but he was mean as the Dickens and still is. But he had that charm. Gets away. Trump has no charm. 
Uh, but that's the fighter in him, too. And uh, But look at who Trump had after him, the media, FBI, DOJ, oh, yeah. everybody out to kill him. And they were mean what they said about him. So I feel sorry for him, but uh, I think his time has come. I, uh, maybe he should be the head of the Republican National Committee, maybe <laughs> something. But anyway, well, anyway, we'll get past points the, uh, Thursday. Okay, but well, all right, we can wait. But even past being mean to him, the more we the more we learn, the more we learn that um, there's a level of corruption involved here I, within the intelligence agencies and the FBI. It's getting very very hard for anybody to deny yeah. what was happening, especially with the revelations that we saw from Elon Musk with the communications within Twitter that right. it was quid pro quo for crying That's out loud. Right. That's right. And and uh, they had the media on their side and uh, uh, and, and Elton Musk, uh, Elon. Elon Elon Musk, uh, has said publicly that uh, he has uh, uh, significant security because he actually fears assassination from the pushback and hate that he's getting for wanting to be balanced and say the truth. Okay, we do have one more bailbag though before we go. I have to get this last. Thursday when we were talking about the city charter uh-huh. and, I, and I you you posed the question about council member Sean Palmer and whether or not his past service as a building inspector played any role with him being a city council member and I said hey Sean if you're listening send me an email or whatever so he did <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he in discussing the proposed charter changes uh, one of the things I mentioned that the mayor had said was that she thought that his proposal would politicize things. And Sean counters that I would point out that it would take the politics out of the boards, meaning the library board and the park board, as the fact that eight people would be appointed to the boards, not just a single person. And he also uh, contends it will make the council member and the Park Library Board members more responsive to citizens by having them answer to a single. <coughs> put it this way, if I'm in the first ward and I have an issue, what's going on with the library board, I'll know who to call. Mm-hmm. I'll have a representative on the, one of the boards and mm-hmm. I can also call my city council member. That's his point. And he also has a reminder that these proposed changes to the charter, uh, the mayor does not get to vote on these. These will be exclusively a vote by the city council. Um, obviously, she can get in her criticisms and her objections to parts of this, but she won't actually have a vote. It will be the council that decides it if it does get to that point in the discussion. And as far as being the building inspector for 25 years, Councilmember Palmer stated it has helped a great deal on my service on the city council. Uh, the biggest indication for him is knowing the city that he has been on every street and road in this town. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then he got one else, one other one in here for you, Tom. Let me see yeah. if I can actually pull it up. As uh, his background in preparing to be a city council member, having Tom as my history professor in yeah. RCC for a year was a huge help. So there, <laughs> kudos to Mr. Ostrom from the city my council goodness. member. <laughs> well, I'll take the kudos, but I couldn't measure up to him uh, in, in his role on the council. I'll tell you, that's... But thank you. It's nice to hear from him. All right. We'll take our break and we'll return with more of Rochester today, Tuesday morning.
Here at News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. The News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM, Weather Eye, Weather Center. A mix of clouds and sun this afternoon with daytime highs approaching 33. Southerly winds 5 to 10 miles per hour. Lows level off around 15 tonight, mainly clear skies. Highs level off around 29 tomorrow. Sunshine mixed with clouds at times. 1 to 2 inches of snow Thursday night. From the Weatherology Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Paul Trombley. Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning and welcome back to Rochester Today. T.O.'s here, Tom Ostrom. Tom, what's on the list for local Minnesota news? Well, Fran Bradley sent me this. Uh, He's with the Center for the American Experiment. Uh, He had a copy of Governor Greg Abbott, the Texas Republican uh, a letter that that uh, Abbott sent Biden, President Biden, going after him for not enforcing the border, for the parts of the U.S. Constitution he is violating, and for the parts of the Texas Constitution that that the governors have a right to protect their borders from invasion, and that's what Governor Abbott's going to do, as he puts uh, troops on the border and even some uh, vehicles that are like tanks on the border, and he just had a long list of Biden's failures and everything from drug enforcement to everything else that, that he's failing on and he'll be held accountable with the Republican uh, uh, Congress. And a copy was sent to the uh, Merrick Garland, the U.S. Attorney General, and to uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security. So uh, that was an interesting letter that Fran sent. On that same topic, the head of the Border Patrol called a news conference, I think it was late last week, where he basically called on the American people to start paying attention to what's happening along the southern border. He says a humanitarian crisis of an untold magnitude is going to take place because they are simply overwhelmed. The number of people coming across and surrendering is beyond anything that we're capable of handling. And there's no way the infrastructure can handle what's going on down there. And and his concern was that people in other parts of the country aren't taking this seriously enough. It was pretty interesting yes. uh, news conference. So he'll likely be out of a job. I'm, right. I don't know. I'm kind of saying that as a cynic. but uh, and I, I don't know if ever uh, the press secretary or Biden himself has ever been directly asked are you aware of the fentanyl crisis and the thousands of Americans that are killed by it that come over the border? I don't know that they've ever had to struggle with an answer to that or even show an awareness of it. Uh, but it was on. And this man was pointing out, too, uh, in addition to the fentanyl crisis, the number of people who are dying making this crossing, being brought up over by the cartels, acting as, what do they call them, um, Coyotes. Coyotes, thank you. Yeah. That they are picking up bodies out of the desert all of the time, is what he's saying. Wow. And they're rescuing people, too, in those situations. Yes. And even on the Rio Grande, uh, uh, pulling them into boats. But, yeah, whoa. Uh, another um, Minnesota item. Twin Cities nurses uh, are going to strike for 20 days starting December 11. And Tony Waita of the blaze said uh, a strike in Duluth and two harbors 
doesn't have an end date set, but the Twin Cities nurses have a 20-day time frame that they're talking about. But again, the same issues of pay, working conditions, uh, chief executive salaries, and uh, their displeasure with uh, working conditions and the kind of raises that they want. But uh, that's going to come up again. I wonder if settled. I wonder if the governor will try to get involved in this, considering what's happening with the hospitals filled up with uh, people dealing with these respiratory viruses. Um, you could have a use the term again. You could have a crisis on your hands here in Minnesota. That's quite that's quite a few hospital beds that are going to be impacted by this. But he's in a quandary too. Then, if the governor gets involved and brokers a deal or can't broker a deal that puts him in the spotlight as far as you know, organized labor is concerned. If he, tries, if he tries to force the hospitals to do something they want to do, don't want to do, or force the union nurses to take a deal that they won't want to take, it's kind of a lose-lose situation for the governor. Sure. Yes. The politics of it. And the nurses... Uh... We all uh, admire them and appreciate what they do, but the wages that they are asking for, um, uh, their their administrative opponents say it just isn't possible to do. Right. And more and more people in hospitals now with these viruses that are going around. Well, we'll see come this Sunday what happens. They're still talking. (laughs) The negotiations are ongoing, so we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, Alpha News, Sheila Qualls. The Burnsville School District can now conceal student gender identity from parents. Uh, they passed, I don't know where the courts are, where are the judges, where are the people that, that, that go against this, this power, but the, the Burnsville e- Egan Savage School District has a transgender student policy that will permit students to change their gender identity at school and allow the district to conceal that information from parents. Uh, They say teachers and educators are in loco parentis, that they are the parents when when youngsters go to school. But how in the world can they do this? But they're saying students have a right to privacy, including keeping one's transgender um, status at school private. Uh, and, And one teacher who is opposed to this because teachers aren't speaking up, I guess, much. One teacher said it's already happening and the teacher has to remain anonymous for fear of retaliation by the union and by administrators. I do wonder what you wonder if a parent were to find out this was happening and file the lawsuit, what would happen? I think that's that would get the courts involved, but I, I apparently it hasn't happened yet. But it certainly is in the realm of possibility. Right. Other guidelines in that district, students can change their names, their pronouns. They can dress and use the bathrooms based on their gender preference. Uh, They can participate in sports based on their gender identity. And teachers will be reprimanded for consistently referring to the student by a name or a pronoun that does not respond to the student's uh, preference. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be a teacher anymore in those school systems. It sounds like a confusing mess. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. As you say, it seems the Rochester school system and the area schools around here 
uh, are more sensible and traditionally professional. They don't seem to be going through this. Knock on wood, Tom. Knock on wood. We do have to take our break for news already. Okay. Caught up with us. So we'll do that, and we'll come back and continue with Rochester Today. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good day, Tuesday with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell, and we continue, Tom. What's next? Governor DeSantis, Florida. Uh, a lot of uh, people got elected to school boards. Uh, the public wanted uh, their anti-woke policies to prevail. And Governor DeSantis and the backed school boards uh, that he supported and supported him have wasted no time removing woke educators. Several uh, Florida superintendents have been ousted uh, now that these groups have taken over. So uh, they're fighting back, Andy. Yeah, it's going to be, as I point out, it's a grand experiment that's taking place here with this conflict uh, over what's happening in the schools and uh, I have no way to predict what how it'll turn out. I'm most interested to see how they do academically. If the policies put in place by these more conservative school boards improve academics, that yep. should be measurable and fairly quickly measurable. Yes, yes. And uh, Congressman McCarthy, who's uh, in line to be the uh, House Speaker, the Majority Leader, um, he has some opponents, so I think he's showing that he's got conservative credentials. Uh, he said that if he is elected speaker, the military vaccine mandate will end. Or remember, the House controls appropriation and budgets, expenditures. It said the vaccine mandate in the military will end. It's affecting and uh, recruitment, National Guard and others. And if it doesn't end... Uh, a national defense bill will not move forward. So he's getting tough uh, uh, in that sense. And then he's arguing the left-wing Democrats that will be expelled from committees, uh, just like Nancy Pelosi expelled Republican conservatives from her committees. So uh, he's he's got some opposition, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, think, I think on that vaccine thing uh, with the Army or the military, has gotten to the point where it makes absolutely no sense to continue that policy. At a time, I think it did make sense because you were talking about military readiness. and uh, But the pandemic, which I am not denying is still with us because people are still catching COVID, um, I think it's moved to a different phase. And if you look at what's happening as far as the civilian population is concerned, that uh, very few people are actually going out and getting the latest booster shots, what they call the bivalent or whatever it is, the the ones that were designed to address the Omicron variant. I did get that booster, but I am against apparently one of a a very tiny minority of Americans who who has gone and done that. They're just not selling, Pfizer's not selling much of the vaccine. Uh, And Yet, um, things have been stable with COVID. We have not seen any big surge as these cold months come into place. Uh, Maybe I would think that if we were going to see a surge after Thanksgiving, um, they would be showing up now or in the next few days or, you know, up to a week. But 
Uh, I don't hear the cries of alarm across the country from healthcare providers about outbreaks of COVID that we were hearing a year ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're hearing more about the influenza than you're hearing, <laughs> or RSV as well, than you are hearing about COVID. Just yeah. an observation. So, and it, as you pointed out, it is affecting uh, recruitment, and it is. Um, if you're going to kick people out who are qualified members of the military service for this reason, when you're talking about military readiness, you're getting to the point of being moronic. Oh, yes. That's right. You're correct. And then uh, McCarthy said he has already spoken with President Biden about this issue and that Biden indicated a sympathy with what McCarthy's trying to do. Now, I don't know if Joe will remember that he said that or agreed with it, but... Uh, or if he meant it, but uh, but McCarthy has said we the, the president's going to have to deal with us. We control the house, we control appropriations, we control investigating committees, and uh, he's got to reach out to us as we do him. Well, speaking of the investigative committees, did you get a look or read about the Twitter documents and the you know we mentioned that a little bit earlier during the mailbag. And it really has gotten very little coverage as far as the big players are concerned in the national media, as you would call the mainstream media. In fact, the um, blogger that was chosen by Elon Musk to share these documents is being blasted by some of his colleagues in the mainstream media as a hack. Uh, and this this guy used to write for the Rolling Stone and uh, was well respected as a journalist for the Rolling Stone, but apparently now he's gone off to the dark side. Uh, use a Star Wars reference and is uh, carrying Elon's weight, as they would say. But it, it certainly suggests that what Trump said was happening did happen exactly the way he said it happened. Mm that they quashed this and that there was coordination with the White House and there was coordination with the Democratic National Committee. Mm-hmm. And then it, uh, and it, and it makes, uh, it, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty amazing when you look at the full scope of what was happening during those years. And the DOJ and the FBI involved up to their necks in it. But uh, what may, amazes me is that journalists who are protected by the First Amendment and who've always been uh, challenging power and elitism and wealth are in favor of censorship and don't like Elon Musk's uh, wanting open uh, discussion of things and both sides of things and protecting speech and how journalists can be on the other side of that issue shows how political they've gotten. And beyond even that, it's they become paternalistic because I hear this argument time and time again that some of the things that are being communicated on Twitter are just too dangerous to be discussed. That somehow if enough Americans heard these ideas, it would uh, cause our society to collapse and uh, the United States would fall into the dust heap of history because we intellectually apparently cannot argue for righteousness when faced by evil by a few idiots blogging on Twitter. And that's their job to argue these things and to be dissenters. And they're they're not anymore. Uh, they want the public. Well, that shows their contempt for the masses. It the, does. Have no it faith certainly in does. democracy or the 
or the public. And then the arrogance of people who saying, well, the voters who supported Trump, a lot of them hadn't been to college. That is such elitist arrogance on the part of uh, intellectuals to think they're superior to people who haven't been to school. Uh, as I've re- met people in the trades, they make more sense than those of us that are liberal arts educated. I mean, they're in the real world. They're making sense. They're smart. They make decisions. You won't convince me they're less well-informed than the elites. In fact, the elites are getting less well-informed. But it sure puzzles me, the, the circle of, 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 of free speech and faith in the public. And the Democrats used to be the party of the common people. I don't think they are anymore. I think that's plain, uh, I plainly seen, I, I clearly seen. Uh, I, and I think what's disappointing to me is the, the apparent inability of these people leading the journalistic world who are, you know, they're making a ton of money when they're on top of the castle, by the way. Um, <laughs> their inability to look in the mirror and grasp that the idea of their... Their views may be just as much of a danger to democracy as the idiot fools who are pushing anti-Semitic and racist ideas on the Internet. That the idea that we are somehow incapable of confronting these ideas on our own and pushing back against the evil that they represent is beyond us. And they're going to take care of it and just paper it over so we can't see it. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. That's that's part of the dilemma. Uh, so those changes have occurred, and then a Fox News reporter, uh, Hillary Vaughn, uh, approached Apple CEO uh, Cook. What's his name? Cook, I think his name is. Yeah, Tim uh, Cook. And asked, uh, "You're using uh, you're using your devices in China uh, to cause the protesters great danger." Uh, uh, are you supporting China? Uh, you, you know, you, you, you don't want uh, free speech over here. China uh, doesn't have free speech, but you're trying to protect them with your devices and the profits you make over there. And, and Cook and his aides walked right by the reporter. He didn't even look at her and he wouldn't even uh, account for that for that question said you're helping the Chinese police, they're taking reporters into custody, they're beating people up, and your devices are used to make it more difficult for the protesters. Uh, how can you be supporting Chinese dictatorship like that? And the, and Cook and his staff, they just pretended she wasn't there. Over the weekend, though, there was news, Tom, that Apple is pursuing a policy to try to extricate their production from China. That apparently there is a level of involvement in China to the sense that at this point they must be fearful of the Chinese and the impact that they could have on their ability to produce these iPhones and how it could affect their profitability. They're already having trouble making enough of the devices to meet demand, but uh, I guess they are pursuing shifting production to Vietnam or perhaps uh, other places in Southeast Asia, which will not be an easy task for them. Well, they made millions in China, if not billions. So that's quite a decision as they're finally realizing uh, the totalitarian system that they are aiding and abetting. uh, uh, And it just shows, though, the elites cater to China. 
American intellectuals, corporations, they just cater to China. Well, uh, think about it, Tom. Maybe this will end. Think about it. During the 1980s through the 90s and much of the 2000s, uh, the West, as far as corporations and businesses are concerned, looked at China as a pot of gold. This was this market of over 1 billion people, uh, rich in natural resources, uh, an untapped labor force, and under Jingdao, what was it? I can't. Good Lord. The Before Xi, um, Deng Xiaoping, sorry. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you had this idea of uh, a renaissance of China that all this foreign investment and free market uh, activity that was occurring there would lead to more personal freedoms for the peace, people of China. And now that's all been reversed. Yeah. Uh, Xi has come in there as an absolute dictator. Uh, the the Communist Party has all their pursuing policies that weaken foreign investment and the influence of foreign investment in that country. And it's, it's turned into a nightmare for these corporations as mm -hmm. far as their supply chains are concerned and profitability. I, I bet most of them are looking back on this wishing they never did get involved. Yeah. And she is being, as you say, increasingly totalitarian and anti-capitalist when capitalism made China grow and gave its people more opportunity than they've ever had. And he wants to get back to communist uh, theocracy and and get away from capitalism that made China stronger. I don't understand it. I wonder if enough pressure will be put on him to change his mind or he's he's too totalitarian to even consider it. Well, interestingly, though, he has apparently backed off on some of the COVID restrictions in response to the protests. And by backing off on those restrictions, they're seeing some significant COVID outbreaks in large cities in China because the people in China lack a level of immunity that the Western world now has because of our exposures to either the vaccine or the illness itself. Okay. So they're, they're very concerned that their hospitals are going to face an onslaught of very seriously ill people. And so... Apparently, they are responding to what the people are complaining about in that country. Well, you know, we, we already shifted to international, but we have to take a break anyway. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it's a little bit of karma coming to China, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, she is, uh, see if he could, he, the, the Iranians seem to be mellowing out a little bit uh, on the protest, but some officials deny it. We'll see. Well, we'll take a quick break. We'll return with more. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell. It's Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, K-R-O-C-A-M and 96.9 FM. This is The Family Day with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, K-R-O-C-A-M and 96.9 FM. Welcome back to Rochester Today. Tom, you mentioned the situation in Iran as far as the protests are concerned. Um, some promising developments in that country as well. The um, Ayatollah has the Grand Ayatollah has apparently disbanded the morality police mm -hmm. who have been going around beating women who were not wearing a hajib or other items to be more modestly dressed. Uh, and they are they haven't done it yet, but apparently are reconsidering the mandate that women in public wear the hajib. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. So. It'll be interesting to see if their tactic works because you could look at it one way. They're trying to uh, 
diminish the sympathy for the protesters by granting some of their demands, but at the same time, it could also embolden those protesters who feel that they could be on the verge of victory and maybe the protests will swell in size uh, because they were able to accomplish something. Sure, sure. And another Iranian official has denied that the morality police have been disbanded. Oh. (laughs) So, let's see. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on uh, you wonder the same thing in China. Will the Chinese people be emboldened by the easing of the COVID restrictions, or will that be enough to to uh, act, you know, calm calm the seas? <coughs> That's right. Um, Ursula von der Leyen, uh, Leyen uh, is an official in the European Union, and she, in a public speech, got in a lot of trouble when she said. About 50% of the Ukrainian military force has been uh, either uh, disabled or dead. They've been taking casualties that are huge. Well, she got really roasted for saying that. And uh, what she said now was on Internet, and that speech has been removed. Oh. But, uh, but uh, you wonder what's going on with the manpower. And Gil Gutnick sent me an interesting article, Town Hall, a column of his, about all the dangers of that Ukrainian war and the, the, the alleged corruption and not accounting for the money that's being sent to them and not getting straight uh, information about what's happening. And they said it's uh, given the repercussions and the fear of nuclear war, it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, he's, he thinks it's time for negotiations there for both sides. And I saw over the weekend that the, our president made some comment that uh, he didn't feel that Putin was ready for real negotiations yet, or sincere negotiations, I think it was the term. But you're mentioning the casualties the along the battle fronts in eastern Ukraine. The exchanges of artillery fire have to be horrific. Uh, and I imagine the casualty numbers that you were referring to probably are realistic, uh, we haven't heard them for a while, but there were um, initially after uh, the Russians shifted their troops to the east, reports that thousands of soldiers were perishing every day. Yeah. On both sides. Yeah. And infrastructure being destroyed and everything. How much time we got? About a minute and a half. Okay. I've mentioned before that I just can't get over the elites and the corporations in the West and the intellectuals being so pro-China and they're reluctant to criticize them. And these globalists that that Trump correctly found a threat to the United States and to capitalism and to freedom, uh, the globalists are sticking up for China. Klaus Schwab uh, is the head of of the World Economic Forum uh, and they met uh, recently. And he says, and he's an intellectual and he's wealthy, he says communist China is a role model for many countries in creating the new world of tomorrow. Oh, great. It's catering to the dictatorship. And and again, Trump was after those globalists, too, just like he was other powerful sectors. Yeah, that's actually a scary statement. I'll leave it at that. We'll we'll run, I guess, for out of time. (laughs) You left me speechless, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we will talk again on Thursday. We'll do this again with uh, Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell, and you've been listening to Rochester Today 
on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Back at Taco Bell. You know.